This lady stopped by my office. It's a very sweet lady. I didn't know her, but she stopped. And normally I'm never in my office, but I happened to be walking to the front. I come out of the hallway. I was in the back and, uh, and I walked, she opened the door, pastor. She said, Oh, brother Jesse. I said, Oh, I said, hello. How you doing? But just, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you a question right now. You have disturbed me. I said, Oh God, what I done now? I said, I have. She said, yes. She, she said, we watch your television program all the time. I said, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to do that. What can I do for you? She said, you don't like Mary, do you? I said, what? She said, you don't like Mary. I said, Mary who? I didn't know what she was thinking. She said, the Virgin Mary. You don't like her, do you? I said, yeah, I love Mary. What makes you think I don't like Mary? She said, because I heard you say you don't pray to Mary. I heard you say that one of your sermons. You don't pray to Mary. She said, I love Mary. We pray to Mary all the time. I, we, she said, I want to let you know we also spirit filled. We love God. But I have a, several ladies that come to my house and we, every day, we pray to Mary. We pray. We pray to Rose. We pray to Mary. We pray. We love Mary. And you, don't, you, you, you don't pray to Mary. I said, man, I could have I hit the woman right between the chops, you know, with a theological, homiletical, hermeneutical, philosophical slap. But I want to build a bridge instead of burning a bridge. So I said, oh, I love Mary. The Bible says she's found favor above all women. She's the mother of God. She said, well, why don't you pray like, pray to her? Now, this is a very sincere woman that loves God. You can see that, that this girl loves Jesus Christ. She's born again, man. You can see that. But she's in a particular religion, understand? But she loves God, man, with all her heart. I said, she don't pray. She said, you don't pray to me. I said, no, ma'am, I don't. Well, why? I said, because I pray like Mary prays. She said, what? I said, you don't pray like Mary prays? She said, what? I said, you mean to tell me as much as you love Mary, you don't pray like Mary prays? She said, well, no, not really. Uh, well, how does Mary pray? I said, well, she prays like her son told her to pray. I said, you mean to tell me all this time that you love Mary, you're not praying like Mary prays? I said, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. said, but how does Mary pray? I said, she prays exactly like Jesus told her to pray to the Father in his name. Don't you pray like Mary prays? Wouldn't you want to pray like Mary prayed? She said, yes, I'd want to pray like Mary prayed. I said, this is how she prayed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak your word today. I said, do you know she was in the upper room and filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Peter, James, and John? Don't you want to pray like Mary prays? My God, girl, as much as you love Mary, you ought to at least pray like Mary prays. She says, I'm going to start praying like Mary prays. I said, you need to do that. I said, when you pray, you ask the Father in Jesus' name. And the Bible said he'll bless you. Brother, she left my office all smiles. She went to her in a little Bible study. They all started praying. She said, no, no, no. We're not doing that no more. And they said, well, why? We're going to pray like Mary prays. We're going to pray like Mary prays. How does Mary? Brother Jesse said Mary prayed like this and showed me how Jesus told her and everybody else to pray. And bless God, we're going to pray like Mary prays from now on. My God, now all of them are praying like Mary prays. Wait a second, watch this. This is what they invite the priest over. They said, don't you want to pray like Mary prays? And the priest said, well, I don't know. And she said, Brother Jesse said, this is how Mary prays. Now the priest is praying like Mary prays. The Bible studies praying like Mary prays. Glory! praying like Mary prays. What did you do? I built a bridge. 
I could have hurt that lady. But she loved God. Now they're all full of the Holy Well, they were full of the Holy Ghost, but they got more of it. And my God, they got people coming to priests and ministering to everyone. They pray, give altar calls after the mass, lay hands on the sick, they fall out in the spirit, get healed. And some people say, well, let's go. go. And you see people walking over to the marriage statue. They'll go, oh, no, no, come, come, come. we're going to pray like Mary prays. <laughs> we're going to pray like Mary prays. <laughs> it worked. Instead of hurting somebody, taking something very, very touchy and saying, whoa. We're going to pray like she did. Now she understands. She says, my God, we should pray to the Father in Jesus' name. That's why you don't tie. See, you're afraid if you tie to the powder top. Oh, Lord, Jesus, if I tie to the powder top, how am I going to pay my house? No. How am I going to pay my car? No. See, the problem is, is your love's not perfected. Have you ever had too much month at the end of your money? Just too much month at the end of your money. That'd make a good book, wouldn't it? Glory to God. How I many you ever ran out of money on the 25th and you didn't get paid to the 30th and you got real spiritual with your family? Sweetheart, we fasted. We're believing God. The other day, Bishop Jake, my wife shocked me to know. My, if you look at my wife, she's pretty. She got nice jewelry on, nice clothes. She blessed the God. The woman blessed. Blessed, blessed. Which is fine with me. I don't mind. I enjoy it. She look good. I look good. Make a long story short. She said, Jesse, I want some Popeye fried chicken. I said, let's go get some, mama. We got in the car, brought the pastor his wife with. We going to Popeye. Y'all want to come with us? Yeah. Went over to Popeye. Kathy walks in there and says, look at her, Jesse. There is an 11-piece special on sale for $8.99. I said, woman, if you want to save me money... Don't save it on chickens. Save it at Neiman Marcus. If you want to save me some money, save it at Saks Fifth Avenue. I can buy the chicken. Trying to save me money on chicken? Save me money on them St. John and Escada and, and Christian Dior and Chanel. Save me money there. I can buy all the chicken you can eat, Mama. I can. Got no problem with the chicken. She looked at me, you can tell when she get mad, she went <laughs> You know, because women are like cats and men are like dogs. That's really true, women are just, I believe when God created us, he must have had cats and dogs on his mind. Because women are like cats and men are like dogs. I mean, an old dog, <laughs> you can hug a dog anytime you want. You just hug him. <laughs> but you can't touch a cat till a cat's ready. We ain't gonna touch no cat. Uh -huh. Yeah, Lord, yeah. You ain't gonna touch no cat. Mm -mm. <laughs> you walk over to that cat, go hi. Oh, excuse me, my whoa. Man, that cat look at you. Ding, 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 ding. Uh-uh, Jack. You don't touch a cat till a cat's ready. But you can touch a dog anytime you want. <laughs> Just go, how you doing? <laughs> but not that cat. That cat just look at you. <laughs> then after a while, that cat begin to think. 
Okay. That cat will just get up, come walking over to you. And just take your leg and go. And that old dog go. (laughs) You know it's the truth. Perfect love casted out all fear. The reason why people don't tithe is their love's not perfected. See, your life is fear-based instead of faith-based. You're afraid that if you tithe, you won't be able to meet your obligations. But I guarantee you, you start doing the work of God, you'll have more money than you'll have month. I'm telling you, God's word cannot, will not return void. See, because perfect love cast it out all fear. See, that's the problem with racism. That's the problem with racism. People love not perfected. See, you're afraid that your white daughter marries some black boy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, what we gonna do? Lord Jesus. Oh, God, what the baby gonna look like? Oh, Jesus, what the baby gonna look like? And let me tell you something. The black people are just as bad as the white people because the black grandma want the baby to come out black and the white grandma want the baby to come out white. Because there's a reason for that. Because if the baby goes over to the black grandma and the baby is white, the baby say, how you doing, mama? Ain't seen you in a while. Is that your grandbaby? Yeah. But if the baby turns out black, goes to the white grandma and the baby goes with his little diaper, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Uh-huh. Talk to him. Hey, 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 Your problem is, is your love not perfected. That's your problem. Perfect love casts it out all fear. When my daughter wanted to get married, I said, Jody, there's a three-point criteria you got to meet if you want to get married. She said, what's that, Dad? I said, number one, he's got to be a boy. Got to be a boy. You got to say that now. Number two, got to have a job, a J-O-B, job. Because you don't live on love, your lips are going to get sore. You don't live on love. That woman will get hungry. And number three, he's got to know God because if he don't know God, he can't know you because you were created by God. So how can he know you if he don't know your creator? And she met that three-point criteria and she married an Italian boy. He made an offer she couldn't refuse. That's where it was, you understand? So number one, the only job you got is to believe that God can do his job. Number two, if you perfect your love, perfect love cast it out all fear. Well, I was preaching this meeting, and it leads up to this scriptures I'm going to pray. And this lady said, Brother Jesse, and I very seldom ever go to people's homes and, and eat. Not that I'm, that I'm not friendly. I'm a very friendly man. But if I do that, then, then I got to go eat everywhere. You understand? Then I weigh 5,000 pounds. You know? But anyway, I just, she said, I'm going to cook you a gumbo you've never eaten. You're the best gumbo you'll ever eat in your life. I thought to myself, honey, you got a long way to go. Because she wasn't from the south, or actually she wasn't from Louisiana, especially south Louisiana. So I went, and you know, some people think a gumbo is a chicken diving in a pot, you know what I'm saying, and then jumping out. And I, all it is is ball chicken, ball water, or a duck doing that, something like that. So I went down there, and, I, and, I, and you know, and I, we sat down, there and I met her husband, and he wasn't saying. And he was just kind of checking me out, you know, because I was a preacher, wondering what I want, probably an offering, you know, how that kind of junk is, because he hears all that junk, and that's not true, but, you know. 
And I noticed the two, but the two kids really liked me. I just, I'm so glad to come to this house. I said, thank you and everything. Finally, all this, you know, she cooks it, she puts it on the table, she brings it to me. Now I look at it, and I could tell by looking at it that it was El Trasho. <laughs> you understand? I could tell. I knew it was bad. I just knew it. So I thought, well, I'm going to eat this stuff, because the Bible said eat was set before you. And if she asked me, I'm going to lie like a dog. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to tell a little white lie. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, no lies are white. I said, oh. He said, you be honest. I said, that's easy for you to say. I'm the one here. I got to eat this trash. You understand? You up in heaven saying, suffer. You know? I don't want to eat this stuff. So anyway, she brings it to me, and she puts it in front of me, boy, and, and then she said, everybody, and we all sit there. Now, I take this spoon. You know, it's one of these gumbo spoons, which is a big, you know, bigger than a normal teaspoon. It's like a, almost as big as a table. You know what a soup spoon is. So I go to do this, and I notice her husband looking at me. And he ain't tasting it neither. He's just looking at me. He's just holding it like this. And he just, I mean, he's staring at me. Now, and the two kids, they ain't eating nothing. They're just looking at me. I know, I'm not exaggerating a bit. They're just looking at me. I'm thinking, my God, man. You know, I guess, they, well, they think because I'm a kid, you know, I'm going you know, to test this gumbo. So I take it and I put it in my mouth. <laughs> Son, I mean, my God, worse. Trash. I mean, bad. Bad. Major bad. Kill plants with it. You know, just bad stuff. This was, I'm, I'm trying, it was terrible. I hope this lady's not here tonight. I hope so. <laughs> now watch this. So I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh. And she said, well, how do you like him? <laughs> and out my mind, lie, 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 lie. And the Lord said, don't you lie, you tell her the truth. <laughs> Boy, you, I'm praying rapture, get me out of here. I don't want to be rude to me if I tell it be rude and I'm, man, I'm just sitting there and I'm going Now her husband is just looking at me with that spoon He ain't there touching neither the kids. They're just looking at me. She said, well, how do you like it? I said, well, ma'am God, I gotta be honest. I, don't, I said This is trash <laughs> And her husband went, bam, and throw that spoon down. He said, I know you're a man of God now. I know you are. I know you're a man of God. And it shot me. And the kids, they dropped their spoons. He said, honey, this is trash. We've been eating this for years. Don't never make this again. Ever. Never. Never. I'll never forget that. That man said, I've had preachers come here and eat that junk and lie like a dog. We know it ain't no good. You're the first man that told us the truth. He said, I believe you're a man that got, that guy got saved two weeks later because of that old dumb gumbo. Trashy gumbo. It was bad. I mean, and the kid said, mama, we don't want to hurt your feelings, but never cook it again. I look over there, I could see the dog in the corner going, thank you, Jacob. I ain't got to eat this junk neither. She wasn't a good cook, and she didn't have the right ingredients. She didn't understand the flavor. She didn't know how to put it all together.
17 years old, got a job with Texaco. Anybody ever work in the oil industry here? Hold your hand if you've been in the oil industry. How many of you know what the, the terminology offshore work is? How many of y'all ever been offshore? Hold your hand up. Working six and six, seven and seven, 14 and seven, 10 and five, five and two. This is all terminology, going out on the rigs. Well, when I was a kid, they paid good money. We'd go out there and work in the summer times and things like that so we could get some extra money. You know, and if you work three months, you'd have enough saving money, you could buy a brand new car. Of course, a brand new car then cost $3,200, brand new. Volkswagen, brand new, $1,795. Oh, Beautiful car. How many people remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> How many people forgot them? <laughs> All right. So I got me a job. I became what you call a cook's helper. They call it in the oil field a flunky. A flunky means you're a cook's helper. You get up at 4.30 and prepare breakfast for the guys that are going on the rigs. Now, you offshore. They fly you out there by chopper. They set you down. You're 140 miles out in the Gulf. And there's nothing to see 15-foot swells. Or if there's a hurricane out there, you get saved. Baptist speaking tongues, Presbyterian speaking tongues. Because when a wave hits that derrick and that derrick goes, whoa. How many men have experienced that? Hold your hand up right here if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. But I'm a cook's helper because I want to make $2.15 an hour. Big money in those days. Before, they would pay you 90 cents an hour. So you made $2.15 an hour with a major all come. All right. So I go out there. Man, and I work. And I got to meet the tool pusher. The tool pusher is the head man on the rig. Now he boss hog. He run the show. Every tool pusher I knew was either bald-headed or fat. Usually kind of a big man. Been in the oil industry. Rough hands, thick hands. He didn't like the way the building that was on the, we had the drilling platform it was a big, big platform out there. He didn't like the way it looked. He thought it's dirty. So he said, call that, go get me that flunky. Tell that flunky to come in here. I want to talk to him. So the cook comes up to me and says, Jesse, tool pusher, I want to see you. I said, the tool pusher? That's like, first thing a flunky, a cook, you don't never talk to the tool pusher. Tool pusher talk to the company man. You understand? I mean, the flunky is the last guy on the totem pole. Somebody dropped something, you pick it up. You know, you just do it. He said, he want to see you. I said, okay. So I'm walking in. I said, uh, I need to talk to the tool pusher. And the radio operator said, what for? What are you doing in here? I said, hey, don't get mad at me, Jack. Tool pusher want to see me. And the tool pusher says, that flunky out there? I said, yes, sir. He said, come on in here. So I walk in there, boy, and I look around. You see them little red stars, Texaco and drilling rig. He got a desk. My Lord, you peel his tomatoes. He didn't like tomatoes with skin on them, so you had to peel them. You bring it to him, you serve that man. As a head man on that rig, whatever he says, you do. He looks at me and he says, uh, you know, it's the front of this building dirty. I want you to clean this building. I said, you want me to clean the building? I said, how am I going to clean it? He said, we've got a fire hose over there. He said, we've got a pump. We've got a pump that can pump out thousands of feet of case in the tube. He said, just hook that pump up and wash off this building. I don't like all this junk out here. Get all this oil in it called dope. Anybody? Not, not dope like that. This is grease on threads. He said, I want you to clean that up. I said, yes, sir. He said, if you do a good job, might make you a roster belt. I said, a roster belt? It makes $3.20 an hour. I said, I want to be a roster belt. I can get me some money, buy me a car. He said, I, I said, okay. I said, sir, when I finish with this building, It'll be so clean, you can better drag your tongue across the front of this building without getting a speck of dust. He slicked at me and went, well, I'll try one thing. They always choose, I'll try one thing here. We'll see about that, young man. Do you think you can get that done this afternoon? I said, yes, sir. 
So I went back to the cook. I said, I ain't peeling potatoes today. I'm going to wash the tool, push a shack. Or we call it the shack in this building. So I go out there. Now, I am not a mechanical man, but I'm about ready to tap into the source. I'm talking major source here. So I go out there. I look at this pump. I say, let me get, and I'm looking for a water hose. I can't find it. We used to call them a hose pipe. Where's the hose pipe? I said, there ain't no hose pipe. I look over there. I said, well, and I noticed there's different fittings. I looked down there, and the fire hose that he was talking about was a little, it's only about this big. I went and find me a five-inch fire hose. I took it off the wall. This thing is this big. I looked on that, and I, I said, it fit this connection. So, man, I cranked that connection up. I think, well, I washed the building off. I don't try to do the best I can. I'm about ready to tap into the source. So I go over there. One of these rostabouts come on. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to wash the building off. He said, with that? I said, yeah. He went, I got to see this. I got to see this. I said, listen here, man. I said, tool push told me to do it. He said, hey. He said, you want me to help you put that pump on? I said, yeah. He said, okay. And I know what he could think. Look at this idiot. But I'm 17 years old. Got one hair on my chest. Boy, I'm ready. Got my hard hat on. I grabbed that hose. Got a brass fitting on the end of it. I said, okay. Put it on. <laughs> I was about to become one with that hose. But I didn't know it. I was about ready to break the power of natural law. So the guy starts it. A little water. He runs over. He said, if you want any more pressure, you got to turn that valve. But he didn't turn the valve. So I'm sitting there. No, man. So I walk over to that valve, that pump. I said, he said, this one. I hear that pump go. I said, yeah, that, that ought to do it. All of a sudden, I see that hose go. And I run. I run and grab the. I grabbed in that hose. And brother. I break, I break all the windows. I knock the radio operator out of his chair. I am cleaning. I mean knocking dirt, mud. Then I hear the pump go, and I, I can barely hold this pump, this hose. But I know if I turn this thing loose, it'll beat me to death. All of a sudden, this is the pump goes. I see the Rastabai's laughing, but he ain't laughing no more. He runs over there, and when he touches the thing, the valve breaks. Boom! I mean, I'm getting hit, but I don't know how much pressure I'm holding. One man cannot hold a five-inch fire hose. All of a sudden, I'm in the air. Enough of this thing to beat, bust my brain out. Got me flipping, flopping. They don't know what to do. Man, this motorman comes running. 
takes a sledgehammer, starts beating that pump. And I'm going, ah! But, but, I, but people come out and knock him down. He hit that pump and broke it. He went, Phew! And I, I mean, I must have been 20 feet, picking me up. Bam! I come down, holding on to that. <laughs> the two pusher come out. at me. I said, it's clean, Mr. Cochran. It's clean. <laughs> all the desks, the windows are knocked out. I blew all this. I mean, you, one man cannot, you have seen four or five firemen on a hose like, and they got, you see them doing this? You can imagine a 117 pound boy. But I didn't turn loose to that hose. I knew it would kill me if I would have. I do wish you'd give me one of He said, I'll tell you one thing. It sure is clean, boy. He said, but I'll tell you this. I asked you to clean the outside, not the inside. You know what I'm saying? I said, uh, uh, it, it broke. I didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> then that two pushes started laughing. <laughs> Come the radio opera, he said, I never thought I would drown standing up. <laughs> I mean, I cleaned that place. Say, what did you do? I tapped into the source. That's a true story, it literally happened. Tapped into the source. You know, I became a friend of that toothbrusher. I thought he was gonna fire me. That's it, get your bag, sack, get out, you're gone. He said, well, you did clean it. I said, Mr. Cochran, there ain't a piece of dirt on it. I said, just look at there, Mr. Cochran. He said, yeah, but just a day and a wind in it, neither. He said, you almost killed that radio operator. And he grabbed me by the head and said, I never did like that radio operator in it. He said, he's too smart for rich. I said, yes, sir, he is. What are you saying? I broke the power of natural law. It picked me up, see? And in my next session, I'm gonna deal with how to control it. I know exactly where I'm at, see? Because you see, there's enough power stream in God and some people get nuts with it. They're trying to get people saved and here before you know it, they're blowing everybody out the seats. But if it's controlled, it'll bring great service for people. It'll heal their sick bodies. It'll save their sick souls. It'll get people out the grave. It'll cause people to walk in divine authority. It'll cause people that the blessings of God will come forth to them. And you know what? Sometimes, spiritually speaking, you've got God wet. You just blew water everywhere. God come out the shed said, It's clean, boy. It's clean. I preached the whole week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and they gave me a Dr. Pepper. You heard me say that. If you come to my office, I have that Dr. Pepper. I never drank it. It's 30 years ago. That's the most expensive Dr. Pepper I've ever seen. How do you look at it? It's in my bookcase. That's the Dr. Pepper. I said, that's it. 
They, they told people the money was coming to me. Not a dime. Ran out of gas going home. 2.30 in the morning. Shouting and praising God. Boy, I said, drink that Dr. No, I work too hard for that Dr. Pepper. I ain't going to never drink that Dr. Pepper. In fact, I'm going to go leaf that Dr. Pepper. I got in him office. But I didn't quit. I said, well, I can sit in this car or I can hitchhike. Learning to think out the box. I ran out of gas right in front of a gas station. God was set up for something. I remember literally getting out the car, and I didn't have to go too far, maybe to the end of the building, and push the car, and push it right next to a gas pump. I hadn't eaten a week neither. They didn't feed me. I didn't have no money. This was starting out. Oh, the test was on, son. But I'd learned to think out the box. So I thought, hmm, instead of this being a trial and a tribulation, I'm going to make it a spiritual revival. I'm going to just, I'm going to just, I'm going to worship the Lord. Seems like you hear God better when you're hungry. <laughs> I, I turned it around and made it like I was just doing it on purpose. No, I was doing it because I had to. I didn't have nothing. And i never forget, some of you heard me tell this story. I walked in, it was a little store, like a little, I don't know if you have 7-Elevens here, stop and goes, you know, you know. And they were throwing away the popcorn in the popcorn machine. The bottom of it. I said, what you going to do with that? I ain't eating a week. He said, going to throw it away. I said, can I have it? He said, well, yeah, if you want it. He said, you need some gas? I said, no, I ran out of gas. No, I said, uh, but uh, I'll take that popcorn. I mean, I didn't care if it was seized. I ain't eating a week, man. Some of you heard me tell this story. And a man drove up in a pickup truck. And I had walked out and I had that popcorn. Boy, it was so good. <laughs> Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, Lord. I just thank you today. I can't the devil said the boy's stupid. He's thanking Jesus for the bottom of a popcorn. I just thank you, Lord, that you called me to preach this gospel. I just thank you, Lord, that you, uh, yeah, you, 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 you would use me, Lord. And the guy said, excuse me, that's your call? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, go ahead and get your gas. I said, well, no, you go ahead first. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to tell me I got no money. You know? <laughs> he said, no, no, you have. I said, no, sir, go ahead. That's all right. Go ahead. And the man comes out the little store and he said, hey, I found some more popcorn without the seeds in them. You want that? I said, yeah. <laughs> and the guy just looked at me. He had a brown pickup truck, pretty truck. He said, what do you do? This is about now, about 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm a preacher. You're a preacher? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, will you live around here? I said, no, I'm coming back from preaching a meeting. And I told him the town. He said, I live in that town. He said, that's about 35 miles down the road. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you're not going to get no gas? I said, no, no, go ahead. That'll be fine. He said, did you preach this week? I said, yes, sir. He said, did they give you an offering? I said, uh, well, they took it up. See, you got to have courage to break free. Now my body's hungry. I'm stuck out on the road. Oh, it looked bad, huh? But I was learning to tell my feelings not to feel or my feelings to tell me how to bleed. He said, well, you mean you, mean you preached all week and they give you no money? I said, well, he said, you mean to tell me blankety blank? <laughs> that blank in church? 
took that blank and money and didn't give you any blank and money? I said, sir, he said, blankety blank. I can't believe that blankety blank. He said, my wife been wanting me to go over that blank in church. I ain't going to that blankety blank church. You fill in the blanks. I ain't filling in the blanks. Blankety blank. He just cussing. He said, you got any money? I, no, sir. You hungry? Yeah, blankety blank. My God, blankety blank. He said, young man, I was 28 years old there. Young man, you go in that store, get you some bread some, and, uh, and that bologna and cheese. Get, you, get, get anything you want. Popcorn, you want potatoes. I'm going to pay for everything. Open up your thing. I'm going to fill your blankety blank and car. <laughs> Them stinking blankety blanket people. And I was thinking, he's an angel. He got a cussing problem, but he's an angel from God. He, he filled my car up. I had sandwiches and all kinds of stuff. Blankety, blank, just cussing up. He said, here's $400. He said, I ain't going to that blankety blanking church. You have a good night and a good morning. I said, Lord, help that man. He got a cussing problem, but he's okay, Jesus. forget that. A Christian wouldn't help me, but a sinner would. I'm bragging I didn't quit. I ain't saying it's fun, but you got to have courage to break free.